0: It's Thursday, September 21st, 2017, and you're listening to episode 459 of Hear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 49 minutes. Welcome to Hear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Brodor. My name is Chad. All right, so
1: Brodor, I can't believe we're going to talk about this, but... We're talking about your psychiatrist. So it was weird, right? So, I mean, I, I've been on a pretty bad depression spiral for a while. So my wife finally convinced me, look, you need to go back to a psychiatrist and, and get some help. Cause it's getting bad anyway. So I go last week to my psychiatrist, my first appointment, and I'm wearing my Magneto was right. T-shirt. <laughs> nice. I go into the guy's office and huh. I sit down and he looks at me and he goes, well, he wasn't wrong. No.
0: Can you, <laughs> oh. can you get a juggernaut did nothing wrong shirt for me?
1: <laughs> and then on the back, it just says, bitch. Yeah. So, but so anyway, I sit Silly down. Silly bitch. Yes. Yeah, so he looks at me and he goes, so you, you like X-Men? And I'm like, well, I like this particular story arc by Grant Morrison called Riot at Xavier's blah, blah, blah. I know. Already boring. So he's like, okay, wow, I don't know what happened and why he decided that we were kindred spirits in in terms of gaming. But he starts talking about fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons. Now, I I didn't bring up D&D. He did. Yeah. I swear, and I'm not exaggerating, I spent half my session talking about gaming and game theory as opposed to my mental health. So <laughs> what did he have to say on the subject? So he's a gamer. He plays in a regular fifth edition D&D game. Does he listen to Fear the Booth? He does not. Did you? I <laughs> did plug it. Okay. <laughs> yes, of course I, of course I did. Because he said, he said on more than one occasion in our session, wow, it's really a shame we can't game together. <laughs> which I thought, well, that's weird and uncomfortable, but whatever. This guy <laughs> seems cool and you yeah. what you have you. But it was bizarre because I'm like, if you really want to hear my crazy, you should listen to the podcast that I'm on. (laughs) And he should really back at the negative episode. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. The completely unfiltered. Unfiltered Brodor, right? Mm -hmm. So it was just very bizarre, but it was encouraging to me to think, wow, we're everywhere. (laughs) We really, really are everywhere. All right, Brodor, I want you to know
0: as... Your podcasting employer.
2: <laughs> if I They'll wait for that check,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: If, if I don't see a listener count go up by at least one from this office visit, I'm going to remove your health plan because <laughs> apparently it's just
2: superfluous trash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do I have this parking space?
1: Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, that means you have to drive.
0: Because <laughs> look, if you can't go somewhere and get help or get a listener, six one half a dozen right i don't, I
1: don't care yeah, which i'm i'm hoping to do both so, right doc if you're listening i hope i didn't make you too uncomfortable because <laughs> apparently you made him uncomfortable so. <laughs> no it was just weird like how does this guy know i'm a gamer i mean you're i right. get it i'm middle-aged i'm a cracker i'm fat i get it i look like a gamer and i'm wearing a magnet it, never mind <laughs> 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 the answer is in the question.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I see. All oh, you're missing is like the fedora yeah. and the neck beard.
1: If I could grow a beard, I'd have a disgusting <laughs> ratty neck beard. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, great. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> what if we lose like a third of our listeners with that?
2: That would be a sacrifice. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: Look at that topic transition, Chad.
2: <laughs> that was, was quasi professional. Eleven years, yeah. <laughs> and that's as smooth as you can make the transition. Star wipe. sacrifice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Why have hamburger when you can have steak? All
2: right, so sacrifice,
0: Chad. This is something that came up in the D and D actual play. Yes. Also came up in the skies of glass actual play. Did it? It did. Okay. Okay. So what? you want to set the topic up? No, you go for it. Okay, so what we were talking about... You had
2: that great transition in everything. I mean, why slow you down? I
0: did. Thank (laughs) you. So what we were talking about (laughs) at dinner, uh, which is after Brodor saw his shrink, but before that star wipe,
2: <laughs> well,
0: just for anyone who need, who's like trying to keep a timeline here, yeah.
2: No, they have this map
0: with yes. like photos and red string, right? Precisely. They have like this herald camping map of the oh, events yeah. in Revelation, and they need to work this into it. Then, <laughs> then am I supposed to make that joke on my show? I, I don't even know. All right, so but we were talking about sacrifice within a role playing game, and that, not
2: like sacrificing a
0: virgin on an altar. Yeah, yeah, not that kind of sacrifice. We were talking about when you as a player do something suboptimal with your character specifically as an act of sacrifice yeah. to either protect another character or to maintain
2: the value and the mm-hmm. experience and the fluidity of the game. And not like a storytelling moment. Like you say suboptimal, we don't mean what Eric did in the last guys a glass game where he, killed spoilers murdered murdered that guy. And it was suboptimal for the group. That's not sacrifice. That's him being awesome. That was also quite self-indulgent. Yes, absolutely. This is more like you see an opportunity to help someone or to make the situation better, but it's not helping an old lady across the street. I mean, we are talking about jumping in front of the bullet for someone, another character or a situation, but, What I've found in a lot of games is that when I see people do that, it's usually a self-indulgent thing. The example I would give would be like a Dread game where, you know, you have the Jenga tower and all the pieces are pulled out of it and the zombies are coming after you. And then you got that one guy where it's like a con game and he's been gaming for three and a half hours and he doesn't have a beer and he's got to take a piss. And he's kind of like he knows where the game's going and he's just like, okay. I charge into the zombies so everyone can get away and then he goes smack and then he smacks the the tower down and then his character dies and he's just like ha 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 I'm legendary my character was awesome I sacrificed my character thank god I can go take a piss and get a beer that's one way I see sacrifice but there's no pain associated with it I think game masters generally don't like handing out heavy consequence heavy pain for sacrifice Something along the lines of, I don't know, like, literally jumping in front of a bullet. You know, another character is taking a hit, and then, like, I jump in front of the bullet, and I take 10 hit points. Right. Out of my 38. And they don't take the damage, and it's just like, oh, you you sacrificed for me. It's like, not really, but...
0: Yeah, a high-level story here, to give an example. And I, I'm not getting into the detail, because the detail of the story actually ties into another topic. That we're going to Star Wipe 2 in a little <laughs>
2: bit. But <laughs> smooth transition.
0: <laughs> but an example that came out of a game that we were playing last night mm-hmm. was that we walked into a, a bar that we were in a human city. It's a D&D game. And there was a dwarven quarter to the city. It's a ghetto in the literal sense of the word. I don't mm. mean it's a ghetto as in it's a poor or bad neighborhood. I mean, it's a ghetto as in they have... Taken all the dwarves in the city, put them in the worst part of town, fed them garbage. Yeah, and exactly. And there's some nice parts to it, some not so nice parts to it, but this is where the dwarves go. And when we walked in there, so you have a party of more or less three dwarves. One of them is a dweefling, but (laughs) whatever. But yeah, basically three dwarves, one human, which is me, Mm. which is fine because humans run the city. So nobody's really going to mess with me. And then there was one elf in the party. And when the group walks in... The dwarves start eyeing the elf, mm. and and it, it got there was going to be trouble. Should, yeah. Right, there was going to be trouble, and so Chad's character steps up and, and in a bar. So to try and prove where things are at and what the score is, he challenges the elf to a drinking contest right. with the intention of throwing it. Mm-hmm. And what this means is his character is going to lose face in front of these other dwarves, which. Chad playing role-playing a dwarf well is going to be a big deal. And then probably to regain that honor, he's going to have to get into some kind of squabble of his own, ruckus of his own here, to get out of that, to get that honor back. And so he was diverting the negative social attention onto Mm. himself, onto his own character. Now, there's more that happened after that, which you can hear on the AP or we might get to in the next topic, Mm. depending on how long this runs. But that's an example of a sacrifice where you were prepared to take consequences, both role-playing consequences, and depending on how far it went, what could have been character fatality. It wasn't likely, but it it could have happened. Could have gotten busted up in a bar fight. Yeah, precisely. To get attention off of the elf before she gets Mm -hmm. crowd-kicked by the dwarves that are in here. There was another example of this where... I sort of sacrificed you. This was not right. in that game. So for anyone who's not following the Skies of Glass AP, there was a battle, and we actually talked about it last episode, where they were fighting some guys on horseback, and, mm-hmm. and all kinds of mayhem ensued. And Chad had been combing through the defiled grave of a mutual friend of the party. Right. And partway into that battle, it was actually, in fact, fairly early in that battle, I asked you... To make a roll, because I said, you know, the, you're on the edge of this thing. The dirt there is soft. There's mm. been a little bit of rain lately. Make me a roll to see if you can keep yourself out of it or, or whatnot. Right. And,
2: and you know, my skills, my character skills in that are like precisely as
0: low as they could possibly be. So the, di- the dice could have done anything, mm. but I knew statistically you were <laughs> probably going to fail this. Right. In fact, I was counting on it. And here's why the sacrifice that I was willing to make of you. Was that if you had fallen into that grave, or actually you did, when you fell into that grave, I knew that if the fight went sideways... (laughs) I know where you're going with this now. (laughs) That you know the most as a player about the setting, and you have the best equipped character... Because you're not going to fight them yeah. back to freedom. My you,
2: character's a, a brain and a mouth,
0: right? And you're going to have to basically. brain and mouth them back to freedom. Yeah. Because you might be able to pull a, you know, sort of a three card Monty trick on these
2: people. You might mm-hmm. be able to yeah. shortchange you, them. You pulled me out of the combat on purpose, so, so that if the combat went poorly, instead of throwing the combat as a game master, you let the combat ride, which was a danger because the bad guys could have taken our party a captive. Right. So you pulled my character out of it because my character is the talker, face man, con artist. Exactly. Guy. And
0: so I figured if yeah. you were in the grave, they wouldn't notice you. And mm-hmm. if they ended up getting drug off, that would give you a window. And I thought both as a player and as a character, you were best equipped to pull this off mm-hmm. to get them out of there before yeah. worse things happened to them. And so, and luckily they didn't need it. So. No, they didn't yeah. need it. it. It turned out everything worked out fine for them, and so it wasn't necessary. Not
1: everything. <laughs> okay. Well, the point is, you, you you won the combat. We did. Yeah. So, what is important to me as a gamer is what constitutes sacrifice. In the Chad example, where his fighter is going to throw the drinking contest and is going to lose face mm. in in front of his kinsmen, right? there is a consequence there of him losing honor him being the butt of jokes etc and then having to deal with the fallout of that so I think that he's feeling that consequence now it creates an interesting opportunity for him to stand up for himself Mm -hmm. or to bow out and as long as the game master doesn't crap on that and just have arbitrarily another dwarf in the crowd stand up and say I challenge the elf right and then your sacrifice means nothing right Mm -hmm. as opposed to them just crapping on you and crapping on you to the point where you can't take it and you know proverbial brawl ensues i think that's important now in your example dan where i'm curious how that is a sacrifice in terms of what was the negative consequence for chad's character or is it because we were a man down or it's several things i think one is you were a man down and even though he is
0: not built for combat, he being Chad's character. Yeah, an extra gun's an extra gun. But anyway. an extra gun's yeah. an extra gun, and given the types of guns he has, they do advantage him in terms of two-hit mm-hmm. bonuses and such.
2: Got and, set off checking.
0: Yeah, so he has a huge bonus at close ranges to hit that would probably make up in very lethal ways for his lack of skill. So that was drawback number one. Drawback number two is from a metagame standpoint, it's the fact that I'm forcing Chad to risk a penalty, to risk a moment of embarrassment or getting thrown out of sequence or even taken out of the participation. I mean, it's almost like shaken, God forbid. Mm-hmm. But lying at the bottom of a grave, you're not doing a whole lot. To Chad, I was possibly going to pull him out of sequence where he wouldn't be doing a whole lot but trying to get out of the grave or unshaken for the <laughs> remainder of the combat. And I think the third thing is from a role-playing standpoint, because of the fact that we have a really good emotional and experiential buy-in that the players, I think to some extent, I mean, not some psycho Blackleaf way, but they feel the game, right? You guys are in there, you know, you feel the moments, you feel the, the grit and the cringe mm-hmm. and the success to fall into a defiled grave and land on top of the five-year-old rotted remains. Ah, oh, she was dry. <laughs> it was still wet ground down there. And so it was, it, you dark. Know,
1: it was not going to be a pretty or pleasant place to be. So let me ask this, and this is tangential. Why not just pass Chad a note and ask him to, in character, take the dive and go into the grave and not face the role? Because I didn't want it to be his choice. I mean, it was forced. See, I'm starting to
2: see that there's like two types of sacrifice here. There's sacrifice that you choose to take on. My dwarf character came up with this plan and chose it. Whereas there is sacrifice that you don't have a choice in. I mean, sometimes life sucks.
0: Yeah, and Chad could have simply said, I throw myself into the grave. And I obviously would not have stopped him. But I didn't want it to be his choice because... I wanted it to be an accident of circumstance for two reasons. First of all, I did not want to give the sense that I was too overtly engineering the, sur- the situation. Understood. Where I was simply declaring, you need to do this, because I think that would have implied that I had engineered the outcome more than I had, which played out in the fact that it became unnecessary. It was not a forced end to that plot point. But secondly, I I, I wanted... Chad to have that sense of a very minor loss of agency, that the situation is beyond control because that's not a place where up until very recently, Chad's character Lee has
1: mm-hmm. spent a whole lot of time. Right. Well, and in, in character to me in that moment, in Joe's mind, I don't think that was an accident? <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, and I think that was the other thing, is if I'd simply passed a note to Chad saying, jump in, and Chad played along with it on Good Faith, player Mm -hmm. to game master, which he probably would have, it would have looked like a conspiracy, and that's not really where I wanted the plot to go right there. makes perfect sense. Because Chad had just done an enormous amount of role-playing to try and begin winning back the party's trust. And then all of a sudden, I take that away by abusing... A human-to-human relationship, right? Something has nothing to do with the game, it's the metagame. But a a player-to-game master relationship, I wanted it to be known to the other player. Once again, at the metagame level, that this was not something he opted to do. This was something that happened to him. You know, he's not in on this. Mm. And that's the way that you guys would have computed it. And so, and then the sacrifice—the fact that once again it was a, it was a negative place to be—it takes him off your guy's rotation. It pulls him out of his own rotation. It just turned out in the end it was an unnecessary little America's Funniest Home Video <laughs> moment of Chad has an oopsie and falls into an open grave. Right?
2: Ha ha ha! Sog is so funny. <laughs> yeah, and body parts flying yeah, up and right. you know, yeah. Yeah.
0: disease. Yeah, disease, yeah. and now
2: <laughs> so. Getting away from, like, the more story aspects of sacrifice, what ways do you see players sacrificing themselves? What is good reasons for sacrifice in your character? What are some good goals to achieve for it? And what are some bad ways to enact and achieve sacrifice? Let me
0: start with one that's at the metagame. that's at the table level of play because that's where we're at. And I've got some ones that Mm. take place in-game. Let me start with one that's at the metagame passing fate chips Benny chips whatever your reroll mechanic is right passing yeah. those good luck points what are they called them quags i always forget the yum-yums, yum-yums. or whatever yum-yums yeah. whatever it is but passing those off there's a sacrifice where you are rewarding one player mm-hmm. for what they did you're giving them some kind of a payoff to your own loss to encourage more behavior yeah. like what they did. I mean, simple behavioralism. You're rewarding the behavior of someone at your own cost to encourage more of that behavior, yeah. to encourage more of whatever it is they just did, whether it was a great RP moment, a funny joke. You're
1: know what? Mm-hmm. you not waiting for the game master to do right. it. Or simply taking the proverbial bullet. Yeah. For example, in the last Skies of Glass game, Eric did exactly that. Wayne was going to be shot by one of the ists and Eric gave his own bullet. So Wayne would not take as much damage from that hit. Yeah. And he didn't benefit in any way from it. Other than his comrade mm-hmm. was not going to take damage. But now he didn't have a bullet or a Benny or a yum yum to spend on himself. Right. Which is interesting. It, it, on one hand, I can see it
2: as somebody does a role playing thing or somebody does an interesting thing and, and impresses, Another player and that player takes from their research like i am so impressed by what you did i am giving you this right but that's they, a reward not a sacrifice right well and it, it is kind of a sacrifice because the player has a limited amount of the yum yum or whatever the hell it is the other one though is like what eric did for wayne wayne took a hit it was gonna kill him kill his character essentially and eric Took from his stash and gave to him so his fellow player wouldn't die. At that point, I question, is that a sacrifice or is that
1: just treating everyone's individual resources as a communal thing? It's the conversation that we had before dinner that last week. Yeah, yeah. was that, is this a resource that we're utilizing as a group or an individual resource? Right. right.
2: And at that point, if I can spend my token or whatever on you so you don't take Pain, not as a wow that's a cool thing i'm sacrificing for myself to to give you because i was really impressed but at a certain point you have to say well who would say no to that if you're all friends and you're all getting along and your character is about to bite it shouldn't we all be throwing our stuff at them and at that point it, it's not an individual pool anymore right. it's just you
1: have part of the community resource that you manage Gotcha. So conversely, if Motomar had said, if Eric had said, hey, Dan, can I give you a bullet so that Motomar can dive in right. front of that rifle round and take the hit you're about to roll against Philip, can I do that? That kind now of sacrifice. that is sacrifice. Well,
2: right. I, the first example is a reward. The second example is just community management. That is an example of sacrifice. Well, and that is something that
0: I could get stricter on because in the original take and even, indeed, the current take on the rules... I've not been enforcing it, but you guys aren't supposed to be sharing those bullets. They are supposed to be an individual resource. And the way that he should have resolved that, if I'd been sticking closer to my own rules, is he can drop a bullet to take a really quick action out of sequence. So he, exactly what you're just describing, he could have put down the bullet Mm -hmm. and said, I'm jumping in the way. And then I would have re-rolled the damage and the hit location, everything on Eric, instead of on Wayne. Yeah.
2: Which could theoretically have been a, either worse or yeah.
0: grazed to the yeah. light. It could have been a graze right. to the leg. It's or not going to be
2: like missing 10 hit points out of 30. It's going to be, it's skies of glass. It, it's still it being be shot. Yeah. yeah.
0: But at least, I mean, we've already gone from we know Wayne had been shot through the heart to you're now at least taking the chance. That's a graze of the leg as opposed to
2: one between the eyes. I think the ultimate thing that I see is that I see players make sacrifice a lot all the time in all different kinds of games, but I very rarely see game masters enforcing pain on the player. The consequences of what they do to when they sacrifice are usually very transitory or minimal or hand waved usually. And I think that it's because the game masters think they're writing a book or or doing a movie where it's it's not a transaction it is it is the path of a hero the hero does something great and has to pay for it but by the end he achieves and that the, and that's the roller coaster that you want to see the thing is a role playing game doesn't simulate that role playing game simulates something different it doesn't simulate a story it doesn't simulate a book it doesn't simulate a movie it's trying to simulate real life within a framework, a fantasy framework, a post-nuke framework, a ninjas framework, whatever. When you're trying to simulate that, it should be, I see an opportunity to sacrifice. I'm the hero. I sacrifice. And I pay. And even my sacrifice might not work out. And the payment might really, really f-ing hurt. Let me give a real life example
0: here. Getting shot. Well, I mean, <laughs> sure. Getting shot. I mean, throwing yourself in front of a
1: bullet. Yeah. But... Okay, My th- wife's car did that. <laughs> Her Ford Taurus <tourists> sacrificed <laughs> all Ford Taurus. <tourists. laughs>
0: there was a story in the news, this was several years back, where a kid fell onto some train tracks, like a subway station or something like that. And this gentleman, seen a train coming, but realizing there was no way he could get him off the tracks fast enough, jumped on top of the kid to keep him from doing the worst thing he could do which is move because that's going to put him under the train. Yeah. And so what he did was he laid on top of him and pinned him flat to the ground between the tracks hoping that the train would have enough clearance that at least the kid would survive. Now this is this is a real story. All right, you can look this one up. If I remember I'll link it in the show notes. And you can only imagine what's going on on the platform when the people see this, and the train pulls up and stops, and you can't even see what's under there. Mm -hmm. You don't know what, if anything, survived. Now, by grace of God, coincidence, engineering, whatever it is that did it, this guy and the kid both survived. His act kept that kid low enough to the ground that the undercarriage of the train cleared the kid and also cleared him. Mm -hmm. Now, let's rewind the story and imagine if that train had had a slightly lower undercarriage or a part had been out of maintenance and had been dragging along or lower than it should have been or any number of possibilities. And that could have killed them both. Mm -hmm. And so not only would he have died, but his sacrifice would have been in vain. Now, you can argue it had moral value, and depending on your, your view of the world and religion and whatever, maybe you believe there is still a value to it. Or maybe you don't. I don't know. It's not what Fear the Boot's here to figure out for you. No, we tell people what to believe. But but the point is that that sacrifice could have had no value. Let me give another example from real life. There was an in-law relative. I won't name the person. Family member on Carla's side. Okay? So I'll just I'll, I won't get any more specific than that. Who was dying from severe cirrhosis from alcoholism. He was downing multiple fists of whiskey a day just to maintain. And when he was in the hospital in the last two days of his life, and he was going to die, I asked one of the doctors, I said, uh, I know you guys won't put him on a transplant list because he's not been clean six months, which is what it takes to even get on the list. Forget to make it to the top. Just even get on the transplant list takes six months clean. But I asked the doctor, I said, I I have to know. I said, let's say right here, right now, because volunteer transplants don't go through the normal Mm -hmm. transplant list. So I said, let me ask you right here, right now. If I said I will go under the knife and give him a lobe of my liver, would it save his life? Now, to put some additional color on this, before he had lost consciousness and gone into that hysteria that precedes death by, I mean, it's a very, very gruesome way to go. Mm -hmm. All right. If you're, if you're listening to this and you're an alcoholic, please, please seek help. It's a horrible, horrible way to go. But as I I was talking to the friends that were gathered there, they told me that one of them had asked him if you somehow got better from this, because he had stopped not long, but he had stopped like two or three months before they said, would you go back to drinking?" he said, probably so.
2: Yeah. It's an addiction.
0: It's an addiction. Even still, said, I have to know, if right now I volunteered to go under the knife and give him a lobe of my liver, would he survive? Now, I want you to think about this as if this this very horrible, very real-life situation had been a role-playing game. What do I stand to gain from this? Nothing. I lose a lobe of my liver. It's my understanding the liver does regenerate to some degree. I'm not a doctor. I'm not clear to what degree. But I know it does regenerate to what degree.
2: You're not going to be in a happy place. Right. The point is,
0: I'm going to be at least... It's a difficult surgery. And even if the liver does fully regenerate, which I I don't know if it does or not, I know certain ribs do, but I I don't know about the liver. It's still going to be a very difficult surgery. May or may not regrow, not clear in my biology there. And he may go on to die from the exact same disease anyway and just do it with my liver instead of his. What's the gain for me purely mechanically? Once again, take out any morality, any religious view of this, any whatever. What's the gain for me? Hmm. Right. But I still asked this and if you he, he said no he said it's too far gone he said at this point it wouldn't matter so there is nothing we have in medical science that will save his life or he lied to me to keep me from doing it i don't know which mm. but he told me no the surgeon that was there said no put that in the context of a role-playing game i want you to imagine that kind of sacrifice let's imagine for a moment that i'm a character and carl's relative is a character this is i don't know a weird thought experiment but let's just think it through for a moment And there are players playing each. There's a motivation there that describes the characters, the character of the characters, the Mm. personalities. There's something there that forwards plot, that forwards the suspense of will the surgery work? What will happen? Will his character find a way forward and break this addiction before he ends up dying anyway from the exact same problem? There is a lot of things there that I think serve a benefit, but it's not the kind of benefit in the way that we would normally calculate it.
2: No, it's it's, it's a, not a numbers game.
0: Yes, it, it's it's a it's a story thing. It's mm-hmm. a metagame benefit.
2: It's a little bit more depressing of a story than I usually play, but it's a <laughs> it's, story game. Sure, yeah. and you know, and I won't. I play to some it. pretty damn depressing games, and I, I I hope I don't know. Maybe if this
0: is what you enjoy, play games not depressing. But life's a be <laughs> affair in many ways, but. I see the same thing. Let's go back to the D&D game, something that's less dark, but (laughs) it's still. Yeah. What did you stand to gain by getting your ass kicked by a bar full of dwarves? Over an elf. Over an elf, right? Mm -hmm. Because best case scenario is we win that fight, but we were so outnumbered. The only way we were going to win that fight was going to be by resorting to lethal means that were probably going to put us at odds with the entire city, possibly in jail, possibly killed by a town or it's a John game. Mm-hmm. Anything horrible can happen. Right. <laughs> and, and so you didn't stand to gain anything from it. Mm-hmm. You as a character. Right. But you as a player,
2: you as a player, was there a gain there? Yeah. It allowed me to do something potentially outrageous that was completely in character. So, Bran, my fighter, my dwarven fighter, is really big into the whole ancestor worship thing. I mean, he isn't just a, you know, Christmas and Easter dwarf. He really believes in the power of the ancestors. And through that, he also believes in family. Like, there's the, a tiefling dwarf. One of the other characters is a half-demon, half-dwarf that everybody hates. It's his cousin. And he will kill anybody who even... Look sideways at it. And he is very, very loyal to family. That loyalty is a thread that goes through him into other things. So, Inna, the elf, her connection to the dwarves is that she is friends with another dwarf who's like ancient. I mean, this guy is like super old. He's not even like altogether there mentally yeah. anymore. NPC at that. An NPC. He's not even a player character. Yeah. yeah. It's an NPC. And so, this is an elder. Right. So, to a lot of the other dwarves, not characters, but the other NPC dwarves, it's kind of like, oh, it's this old guy, no, honor the ancestors, but yeah, oh my God, can we just put him in the back of the bar and, you know, he'll talk to his beer and we have to deal with him. To Bran, I mean, this is a guy who is a living embodiment of the ancestors. This is an elder. This is someone you show deep deference to and respect. No matter how insane or crazy they are, that's just more proof to him that he is to be even more respected because he's so old, he's losing his mind and it's just like this weird, great dichotomy thing to brand. Inna is his best friend to the point that she takes care of him. She watches over him because none of the other dwarves want to deal with him. But they have this bond, right? Like he saved in his life and Inna owes him a blood debt and it went beyond that and now they're friends and family and care for each other and so to Bran it doesn't matter that Inna is an elf and there's this ridiculous dwarf elf stereotypical thing going on Inna understands what Bran understands and she may not quite get it but to him she is more proper of a dwarf because of that than anyone else is, even if she doesn't think she is. And even, and Bran would never admit that. And maybe he can't even fully say that to himself. See, and, so, there, and there's value in that.
0: Yeah. Because there's value in what it says about your character that you would take an in game loss, mm. right? So those hit points. Getting your... Oh, hit points are so boring. Getting your f- face stomped in in yeah. a bar brawl, which once again, we were wildly outnumbered, probably what it would have been. So getting your face stomped in in a bar brawl allows you
2: to advance a different part of the game. Now I'm, Hit I'm, points I'm, are boring.
1: Character interaction and depth and interest is, is what is it. Right. And you develop a tremendous amount of relationship currency yeah. within his character.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Sure, and I'm going to make a statement that I, I hope it's not controversial, because I, I don't
1: mean it to be. Elsa. Yeah. Well. This is fear of the boot. There is no controversy. <laughs> no, yeah. It ever. just is. Ever. It just, we just <laughs>
2: declare. It's all declarative statements. <laughs> it's been dictated
1: by the boot. Yes.
0: Right. All right. So what is true is that I don't rule out the possibility of genuine altruism. Mm-hmm. But I think that most people, even when they do something altruistic, there is some minuscule
2: grain of sand. I gave five bucks to a homeless dude. Why did you give five bucks to a homeless dude? Tuggy. He needed it. (laughs) No. He needed it, and it made me feel good. Precisely. Are we supposed to feel guilt or bad, or does it somehow diminish the altruism by feeling good about it? And I think if people say... You don't know. You have to feel bad. You, you have to be so pure of spirit to where you giving the five bucks to the homeless guy is what you do and you feel nothing for it. That's ridiculous. We're not 13th century monks whipping right. ourselves. And, 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 I'm, it's, and I'm not even talking about some kind of self-righteousness
0: here. But what I am saying is that I think more often than not, even altruistic acts do have some degree of a... I hate to say self-centeredness, because I think that's too strong of a word. No,
2: it's the but wrong kind
0: of word. I mean, it's it, it makes you feel good to do good things. Yes. It's gratifying. And, yeah. and yes, and there's in, in the same way, I think we have to look at sacrifice in a role-playing game the same way. That yeah. sacrifice to be meaningful to the story, to be meaningful to the metagame, does not have to net out to pure negatives all across the board. Right. You know, it can be something. I mean, if you look at this in terms of game theory, let's go back to the, the liver transplant. Do I stand to benefit something by giving Carla's relative another shot at life? Because he, he was a good guy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Carla loved him very much. Being a religious person, I do believe that there is a working out of all this in the end. You know, that I'm going to be judged for the choices I made. So the answer is Yes. Is it an obvious payment? No. Is it an immediate payment? No. It's not transactional. It's not transactional. That's the next thing I was going to say. Is payment the primary reason I'm doing it? If God Himself came down right there in a fiery chariot and said, "Dan, I'm not giving you anything for this one,"
2: I still would have done it. Right. And that's the thing in a role playing game too. When when you have a character who makes that who jumps in front of the bullet. It isn't a transactional thing. You shouldn't jump in front of the bullet and then look at the player who you jumped in front of or the game master and say, that was pretty cool, right, guys? Now what do I get for it? And it's like, if you do that to me, I'll I'll be like, well, you get a hole in your chest. (laughs) And it is not going to stop bleeding anytime soon. There was a saying that former host uh,
0: Mike Mm. you he uh, i say used to have i haven't talked while well. maybe still does have right which is that's not love that's commerce right that right. when you pay into something looking for what you're going to get out of it whether that's here and now whether that's mm. in the afterlife whether that's whatever however it is you're looking for it ceases to be love and starts to be commerce now okay it's a role-playing game we don't have to get that deep but even if it's not for love of the character Surely it's for love of the hobby. It's for love of the game. You want a good game the same way if you drop your 10 or 20 or whatever it is, bucks to go see a movie. You want a good movie. Right. In the same way, if you're going to sit down at a table, you want a good game. And it's possible you can take mechanical penalty to advance something that's just a little bit less quantifiable.
2: Yeah. Maybe it is, I jumped in front of the bullet. Damn, that was cool. Ow, my chest hurts. Or my character is in love with this other character and leaped in front of the bullet. And then that shaped the two characters. It it pulled them more into focus of what they see and feel and believe in who they are for everybody. Maybe it was just, I don't know why I did it. It seemed like the right thing to do. All of those things are why characters would do sacrifice and what sacrifice is in the time we have remaining. I want to, switch gears though and talk about another aspect of sacrifice that i don't see enough of how as a game master can we make sacrifice hurt because when i play games and i see sacrifice happen it gets hand-waved by the game master there's no pain there's no consequence somebody jumps in front of the bullet and the game master's like oh crap i can't kill this character he just did this awesome thing. Sure. He's gotta have this heroic well, thing. Because you're that,
1: cause you feel like a dick if you punish altruism. I, I think that in that scenario, you have to let the dice you have to roll them above board. Yeah. You have to let them fall the way they fall. And in that scenario, if character B jumps in front of character A to take the bullet, and the dice kill character B, then character B is dead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let me go back to Character th- B with a bullet. Well, let me go back to
0: the story about the guy that jumped on the train tracks, how that story ends much happier ending than the liver one. He survives, the kid survives and the kid was not his own. Mm -hmm. And if I remember the ending of the story, right, Disney stepped in and gave both families. So both his family and the kid, the family of the kid he saved like full all expense paid week long trips to Disney world or something like that. And so, you know, rewarded him, right? We want to reward that altruism because we recognize its value to society. And once again, with a little grain of self-interest in there, we also recognize that in a society where altruism is the norm, we ourselves may one day benefit from that altruism.
2: We're a meritocracy. The hero shows merit by doing heroic, sacrificial things. Sure, in
0: this case, it's a moral merit more than a merit of achievement. But... Without getting too philosophical on that, I'm with Rodor. I, I think the way that you handle it is you treat it correctly. If that was a role playing game, this guy jumps on the tracks and, I'm like, okay, make your decks check. Mm-hmm. Okay, you got the kid down. Now we're going to take a D20. Low, it hits you. Real low, it hits you both. High, it misses you both. And we're gonna play this out above board
2: and we're gonna see what happens. What about softer concepts though? Ones that don't involve dice and damage and the 10 billion combat rules that fill up 90% of a role-playing game book? What about stuff like, we'll go back to the we'll go back to my character, where the dwarf stands up for the elf? Right. There's no I mean, sure, we could have a bar fight,
1: but Let's just say it, continu- it carries Right. Over. Well, I mean, they they kick your teeth in. They sure. savage you so egregiously for the next, you know, for the next X number of days. Mm. If you get into combat, your character fights at disadvantage. Right. For example, is an easy mechanical way to handle that situation. What about role playing consequence? Well, I, that's a. I think that's a more challenging thing. I mean, for example, for the time that you're in that town, even if they kick your teeth in. Other dwarves treat you with tremendous disrespect. Well, particularly because
0: what we were doing in that town is we were trying to gather dwarves to help us repopulate a depleted
1: right and uh, and so, and so now at this point those stories are coming back yeah you're operating at sort of a, a metaphorical disadvantage because other dwarves don't want to sign on with your company to do whatever your yeah. adventure okay. is because so, I'm because you're traveling with this guy who's not a real dwarf
2: now let's extend that further you're the game master this happens you're gonna do all that then you think to yourself well wait a minute my plot really is isn't getting all these dwarves and getting them into this dwarf hold. That's sort of a gate that I put up as a quest so that when they get that established, then they can get onto the real plot. Can I be a real blunt? Yeah. If that's your gay master confessional
0: and then you're, and I realize the Game I know you're not, the, you're not the gay master. And John has not said this. No. So no. Th- this is purely hypothetical. Right. If, if that was your gay master confessional, my response would be stop wasting my time. <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, that not everything you do in a role-playing game has to be on point. Bingo, and I think
0: that's what I would go back to, is if this is where the story's going, that's the story now. If mm. that's just a gateway, yeah. if that's a gateway to keep me from what you consider the real story, then one of two things is going on here. Either right. you as a game master have missed the boat on what the real story is, right. or you're wasting my time by running me through Mm. a level one or, you know, grind fest and tutorial to get to the real meat.
1: Right. I'm with I'm with Dan because the real story is you and the other players at the table and how they're interacting with one another and the consequences and the benefits of those interactions. So now the story is, is that the other dwarves are apprehensive about assisting you because they question your dwarfdom. Mm
2: hmm. That's fair.
1: They question the weight of your hammer. I mean, here here we go. Here's your... Here's I your can easily prove to them how much my hammer weighs. Here's your, here's your dwarfdom for you. You're hanging out with a human who thinks he's a dwarf and might Ooyaboo. be a better dwarf. Yeah, boo. You're hanging out with an elf. You're hanging out with a, a dwarf tiefling half-fiend thing. Yeah. A dweefling. dweefling. You're not really dwarves as it is, and now you're in a bar where you have been drunk under the table by this elf, mm-hmm. yeah, you're really not... I, my dwarves aren't helping you. <laughs> you're being ostracized at, yeah. at best. You've lost your dwarf card.
2: Yeah. And that's not what happened in the thing. That That's not what John did or anything like that. We actually were able to circumnavigate the uh, the issue. Dan was. Right. And we'll won't we'll bore people with that story,
0: because they can listen to it. We, well, we'll bore them possibly in another
2: episode. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it leads to another topic. So yeah. We'll- but... Not to, to pick on the dwarf game, because we're now we're just using it as an example. My point is that I see players make sacrifice for all different kind of good reasons, bad reasons, What all those reasons that we just talked about for the past 40 minutes. I see players make sacrifices in games, and I just very, very rarely see game masters put teeth into the consequence of those sacrifices.
1: I don't disagree. I I think you're right. Well, and I think something that you said at dinner was interesting is that people don't... Damn, this meatloaf is good? Yeah, the the (laughs) meatloaf was very good. But that people are uncomfortable with conflict and confrontation, Mm. and they don't want to enforce a consequence because they're uncomfortable with it. They're uncomfortable giving you any sort of negative for your character they're afraid that if you don't have constant wins then you won't enjoy the game or you'll quit showing up or you'll be mad at them and it'll harm your friendship or whatever crappy hang-up they have and i think
2: that if you're the type of game master that just hands out nothing but pain all the time your players aren't making sacrifices they can't afford to right so you never see that anyway i yes if you're a game master who says you know all my players love my games but I don't see any of the sacrifice crap. I don't see it ever at all. I never see them helping each other. They're always kind of going for themselves. Well, either you got you know self served players or you're kind of a vicious gm yeah if i'm running on one hit point and no spells left what do you want <laughs> what is to
0: sacrifice i'm the giving tree I, i'm a ground down stump <laughs> what do you want me to give right i mean an old man can sit on me and be incontinent
1: that's all i have left to offer <laughs> and we but will it's take gotta that. be on my face <laughs> i want to be waterboarded by balls <laughs>
0: which is how that story ends by the way for anyone who's never read it my one of my favorite books in the world but anywho so thank you guys for tuning in check the show notes uh we might link to a couple things might link to the ap's if i remember i'll link to that
2: story about the guy who jumped in front of the subway and and link to some a story about people saving kittens or something because you were really depressing this episode okay it's true i'll try to find even when brodor said he was having depression you're all like (laughs) dark 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 metal (laughs) way to go guys way to go
0: (laughs) so i can tell you a story about a cat being a jackass and i can put the link to this in the show notes (laughs) Go for it. Okay, so there, there's this video floating around of, like, this cat is trapped at the bottom of a well, uh-huh. and these guys go through this effort to get down there. Because, I mean, it's, like, it's deep. I, I don't right. remember. it's like, nine feet down or something. And they get a ladder, and they're trying to get all stuff and grab the cat and pass it up. And as soon as they finally get down there, the cat panics and does, like, this matrix corkscrew <laughs> up the well and out. <laughs> it's completely fine.
2: I mean, the cat was just hanging out, yeah. you know, it was just
0: splashing around. <laughs> so anyway, thank you guys for tuning in and we will catch you next
2: time. See you.
0: This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2017. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy Network of Shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.